This episode is brought to you by FastBitcoins.com. FastBitcoins.com allows you to buy Bitcoin easily and safely in physical locations in the UK, Canada, and Estonia, and they're expanding quickly. They are the world's first cash-to-lightning exchange, delivering your Bitcoins right over the Lightning Network. They also have integrations with Samurai Wallet and Breeze Lightning Wallet, and more coming soon. Fast Bitcoins offers users the ability to stack sats without giving up too much personal information, and the business never holds customers' Bitcoins. Find Fast Bitcoins vouchers on BitRefill and physical point-of-sale retail outlets in a growing number of places. Check out the FastBitcoins.com interactive map to find the location nearest you. Hello, Bitcoiners. My name is Ansel Lindner, and this is Bitcoin and Markets. On this show, we honestly explore Bitcoin to the best of our ability. We take a look at stats, metrics, the tech, and the economics behind it all. My goal is to stay ahead of the curve and to take you along with me. Thanks for joining me. Let's go. All right, Bitcoiners, welcome back to the show. Hope you're ready for the weekend. Hope you're not in the path of Hurricane Dorian. I was for a little while, but it has blown past us and not caused very much damage. Thoughts and prayers are with Uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, and of course the Bahamas that just got wrecked. Uh, A little quick note up front here. I did release an episode yesterday. There was some confusion. I guess I didn't put the right bumpers on it, but it was uh, an excerpt from a live stream that we did a couple weeks ago that was all like, I had multiple comments throughout that live stream of money being a belief system. So I, um, I just cut them all out and put them all together and then released them as a single episode, one-off episode. It's like 10 minutes long, so uh, it's really quick for you guys. But uh, yeah, so that's... <laughs> I hope to be doing that more, um, just get putting out those small little snippets and then maybe making some playlists or something on the website so people can go through there and see all of the different uh, topics that I've covered. So, um, okay, other admin notes up front here. Uh, yes, Sign up for the Fundamentals Report every Friday that comes out. It's a free newsletter. Uh, Just go to BitcoinAndMarkets.com and you'll see the big red button up there that has all my charts and market commentary and other things. So it's a bunch, uh, super dense bit of information that I think you should. If if you're subscribed to like Coindesk or to the Blocks email list, you definitely should be subscribed to mine because I think I have a better analysis and a better read on this market. But anyway... Uh, what else? Support the show. If you guys want to support me making all this free content, making all this content, please go over to patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and markets and sign up there. Uh, we have been doing these live streams that I've been having a lot of fun with. If you haven't noticed, I've put out, I've been doing them weekly and I've been putting out a lot of different things uh, over there on Patreon. So really enjoying uh, interacting with my members. So thank you guys for supporting the show. All right, now that all that's been said, let's start the show. All right, guys, let's get into the eToro price talk. eToro is the world's leading social trading platform. You can interact with other traders, follow successful traders, get followed yourself. You can even start with a free demo account. Use my link in the show notes. Okay, let's get into the price. And we have on Bitstamp right now, $10,382. Uh, lots of ticks going on here. We did have this major sell-off 
just before I hit the record button. Uh, we were up at 10,850 and we dropped all the way down to roughly 10.2 uh, within just a few minutes. And um, uh, when I was putting some information together, I was looking at the price and this uh, this is what uh, I was expecting. So, um, of course, I have, if you're a listener to the show, a longtime listener, you know that for the last few months I have been bearish. I didn't, I don't trust this first initial huge parabolic move that we had coming out of the bear market. And I think we have to have a significant uh, pullback. We have had you know, a 50% of the breakout, not a 50% in the price, but a 50% of this breakout. We have had a retracement of that, but I do think that we need to go even further. Um, right now, this price was touching up against this um, diagonal trend line that we have coming down from the top at 14,000. Uh, we have a bottom on this pattern that's kind of like a big um, descending triangle. Uh, that's around between 9,000 and say 9,400, slightly sloping. Uh, but that is a bearish formation. And I do think that we're not ready to break out of this yet. The volume has been very suppressed, even on this little dip. Let's go to the hourly and see. The hourly volume was really high, of course. All the highest candle volumes are on the sell-offs versus the pumps on the daily. Let's take a look at these EMAs. Now the 20 and the 50 EMA did have a a bearish cross that preceded the dump back in late August. Let's see what what day was this? August twenty uh, eighth or so, uh, and then we recovered quite nicely. And I did say that we were going to test ten thousand again after that dump through ten thousand, uh, but we did <laughs> look. We we tested the top of the triangle, so um, I. We're probably going to uh, continue consolidating in this triangle, but I think eventually it will break to the downside uh, just from a, well, from a fundamentals perspective mainly, but also from a technical perspective here. I do think that this leaves a, some quite big gaps there around the between six and 8,000 in price. So we need to kind of fill those in, I believe, before we continue north. But who knows? We could break up. Uh, we do have some resistance above us that we'd have to get through. Uh, it won't be in a straight shot or anything like that. So I think that the path of least resistance out of this formation is to the downside. Okay. Also, if you look, take a look at CME, uh, you had to do four hour or, or lower to see this big gap. But we do have a big gap that formed uh, between 10,000 and... 10.4 on the chart and we are already closed that on the other on the other exchanges so like bitmex they dropped all the way down to 10.2 so that's getting close to filling that gap uh, cme is lagging here as usual now right now as i'm looking at it it's selling off uh let's see low down at 10.4 so it's still it's still catching up it's several minutes behind the traditional bitcoin markets um, okay I expect that to fill, and when we get down here to 10000 on the price, it's much easier to just break down from there and go down to the 9400 All right, what other prices do I have to talk about? Let's talk quickly about the dollar. So the dollar is, uh, I've been calling for dollar strength for the last month or two, and it hasn't disappointed. It's 99 spot 5 on the DXY, the trade-weighted dollar index. So that is, the DXY is weighted against major currencies like the euro, the yen, and the pound. I think that makes up over 90% 
of that weighting. Um, the, the yuan is not in there, but with the trade weighted dollar, the trade weighted dollar index is with our trading partners. So, uh, it includes all the littler currencies, the yuan and others against the, on the trade weighted dollar index, we have hit all time high and I expect that to probably continue for a while here. There is going to be, there is a dollar shortage developing in all emerging economies, uh, especially in China. So how that plays out, we'll have to wait and see. I got asked this morning on my Discord channel what I think the Bitcoin's performance will be in a financial crisis. Well, uh, when we start a financial crisis, I think Bitcoin will actually underperform because a portion of Bitcoin's price is purely speculative. So that will get washed away most likely during a financial crisis, at least at the initial stages, people will sell their most speculative assets. And if they view Bitcoin as one of their most speculative assets, they will sell those first. Uh, so Bitcoin will have uh, be hit initially, but I think throughout the next financial crisis, whenever that begins, maybe six months from now, maybe uh, a year from now, but uh, it's coming and Bitcoin will outperform throughout the entire cycle. But in the initial stages of a financial crisis, I think it will underperform. That's why uh, I told this guy on my discord, of course, not financial advice. I said, buy the dip at the initial signs of a financial crisis. So um, interesting to think about. You have to have dry powder uh, to buy these dips and to take advantage of things like today when we have a big sell-off in price. Okay, that's D, that's the dollar. Um, I expect it to continue to strengthen. Um, like I said, there's a lot of dollar shortages around the world. And I went into this in depth on our Patreon live streams. So if you guys want to get in on that, you can uh, go to patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and markets to sign up. Okay, another couple prices here. We have gold selling off of the top. It hit a top of 1556, roughly 1560. And it has sold off from there. It did form a gigantic bearish divergence over the last, well, since June, basically. And um, I do believe it will come down and test the 1450 support. Uh, I've been kind of talking about that for a couple weeks now, too. All right. And Ethereum BTC, it's a joke. So I won't even talk about that. <laughs> All right. That's it for price. Let's go on to some other things. All right, I have some other fundamentals kind of all packed in together here. We have mining. Uh, we did last week uh, have a difficulty adjustment, went up 5.78%. I don't know if I talked about that last week. Uh, that's a significant increase. Uh, we are scheduled for a week from now to have another big jump in difficulty up 6.0% right now. So uh, mining is very healthy. Uh, I don't really know how to read this right now versus price. Uh, we have been bouncing around with price, consolidating for a while, and you'd expect the uh, hash rate to stay relatively flat and just slowly increase, like in my sweet spot, one or two, three percent. Uh, but two, six percent adjustments uh, in a row is pretty high when the price is not moving. Um, perhaps they're starting to anticipate the halving, which is, let's see, how many days away is that? It's roughly 240 days away, uh, May 3rd, 2020 at current speed. So uh, it is coming. And a lot of these people, you know, uh, at a year out, they start 
making plans for that time. And maybe they're starting even to implement their plans uh, into that. Yeah, I think they might be starting to think about that a little bit more and overclocking and making sure they get as much out now as they can. All right, so that's difficulty. Let's talk about Lightning Network. Lightning Network had a vulnerability announced last week. Rusty Russell came out with it. I'll just read one of these things uh, from AMB Crypto, and I will, of course, link to this in the show notes too. Lightning Network's Common Vulnerabilities and Exposures, or CVE page, has informed that the network was facing an issue which could cause a loss of funds. The details regarding the issues will be updated four weeks from now, or September 27th. Russell said, Security issues have been found in various Lightning projects which could cause loss of funds. Full details will be released in four weeks. Please upgrade well before then. The full details about the same will be released at a later date once the bugs issues are fixed. Speaking to AMB Crypto, Adam Back stated that version 0.7.1 was released in the beginning of July and that people had nearly three months to upgrade. Quote, it's a good practice for security critical products and the Bitcoin ecosystem norm to use responsible disclosure where details are released to security reporting process of the product and for the full details to be released publicly after people have had reasonable notice to upgrade to a fixed version. So um, overall, this is a really responsible and mature way to handle these things. Of course, this is layer two. So this is not a consensus critical bug. This is a lightning network critical bug. And, you know, I said there's, I, I estimate roughly three, maybe even 4,000 bitcoins in the lightning network right now. So, um, those would be, that would be about what is, uh, vulnerable to this. Uh, so people will be upgrading these things. And if you are using the Lightning Network, please upgrade as soon as possible. Um, of course, make sure you run all of your security checks before you do that. So whatever your normal process is. Okay. So that's Lightning. The Lightning technical issues. Not a big deal. I mean, it's a big vulnerability, apparently. And they are really hyping this up to get people to upgrade. Uh, But right now, it doesn't seem that bad. Again, it's responsible reporting. So they said there is a big bug, loss of funds are possible, upgrade. But they're not detailing out exactly what that vulnerability is yet to protect people. And so I think this is very good. It's actually builds confidence where a bug in another project isn't even found until it's already hacked, right? Um or it is responsibly reported, but then nobody ever updates it. That's actually what happened with the DAO hack in Ethereum. They, multiple people reported on multiple different bugs and Slocket, the company that was making the DAO, they didn't upgrade. They said they upgraded it or fixed the vulnerability, but they didn't. So that to me, not only is irresponsible and immature, but it kind of makes me think it was an inside job, but that was a long time ago. We don't need to talk about that anymore. Let's move on to, let's see, do I have any other small items here? Okay. I wanted to talk about Google trends. If you pull up uh, the Google trends for the search term Bitcoin, it is not pretty, uh, continues to decrease and come off of the high that was back at the 14,000. This is another indicator uh, that to me backs up this idea of easier 
to the downside versus breaking resistance to the top side. There's just not a lot of interest, not a lot of people searching out uh, information about Bitcoin. So yeah, that's just a little data point for you guys. All right, let's talk about some news. Okay, first item I have right here is just something I found extremely interesting. Now, I am not, I don't have a computer science degree, okay? I'm not a computer scientist. I'm not any sort of engineer or anything like that. I am an economist, but I am inclined to understand this. I think I'm computer literate. I'm at least computer literate enough to have a podcast and to, you know, run my Bitcoin node and all of these things. So uh, I am semi-computer literate, I think. And so I am very interested in some of these things. Uh, this is a malware update that was very interesting. So I linked to this in the show notes and the show notes will be on the website, bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash E184. All right. So this is from Microtrend, um, blog.microtrend.com. And it is a talking about a exploit or a malware um, attack that they have examined. Um, and I'll just read this out. We recently caught a mal-advertising attack distributing the malware Gluptaba. Gluptaba. Man, this, this is an older malware that was previously connected to a campaign named Operation Windigo. Windigo. And distributed through exploit kits to Windows users. So they took, they took another look at this bug and they have this to say. An interesting feature, Gluptiba uh, can retrieve the latest C and C domain from Bitcoin transactions. And I, again, I'm not super up on this, but I think C and C is command and control. So they, you know, this malware will, will phone home and get updates. And how do they do that? Well, they're actually looking at op returns within Bitcoin transactions. So further down on this report, uh, this is a notable CNC update capability. The backdoor mostly has standard capabilities, but one interesting feature stands out. This malware can update its CNC server address through the blockchain via the function discover domain. The discover domain function can be run either by sending a backdoor command or automatically by the dropper. Discover domain first enumerates Electrum Bitcoin wallet servers using a publicly available list, then tries to query the blockchain script hash history of the script with a hard-coded hash. So it's looking for a specific hash, a specific uh, op return in the blockchain. Each transaction is parsed, searching for the instruction. The pieces of data followed by opportune instruction are then used to uh, used as parameters for AES decryption routine. This technique makes it more convenient for the threat actor to replace CNC servers. If they lose control of a CNC server for any reason, they simply need to add a new Bitcoin script and the infected machines obtain a new CNC server by decrypting the script data and reconnecting. Pretty, pretty cool <laughs> to me. I think this is really awesome. Uh, this could be used obviously for malware, but it could be used for lots of things. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. And I think we'll see more and more of this in the future. I mean, it could be even different. You know, you could use the liquid, uh, blockchain as well, right? That would be a little bit less censorship resistant than the Bitcoin blockchain, but you could use things like liquid. 
Next story I have here is just today. It was just released a couple hours ago on Cointelegraph. I this popped up on my radar and I was like, wow, this is a really good analysis of this. But this is a uh JP Morgan warns stable coins like Libra at risk of system gridlock. So the first part, they talk about how uh, people are underestimating the uh, risk here to actual throughput. Like if all of the transactions in the world are on this system um, and something happens, this could be have, you know, could have drastic macroeconomic consequences. Um, but the big part that I thought was interesting was this part. Further risk to Libra from negative yields. Another risk pointed out in the note from JP Morgan was that of negative yields. Libra will rely on income from collateral in its reserve account of fiat currencies. However, yields on most major currencies are already negative, and trends point to further global monetary easing. JP Morgan notes, quote, any system that relies on reserve asset income to fund operational and other ongoing costs becomes unstable in a negative yield world. A fully negative yielding Libra reserve has become a plausible, some would argue likely, risk. Yeah, the bottom line for me here is that how do stablecoins function in a negative yield environment? Um, it's a very good question. I haven't even thought of that because, you know, Tether, they have all these billions, but they invest it privately, right? They don't necessarily buy treasury bonds, but maybe they would. And Libra or other national stable coins, they'd probably be buying the sovereign bonds. So they would be getting negative yield. It's a very interesting question. I haven't seen it brought up before. So I thought I'd put this bug in your guys's ear. All right, now let's get into this gigantic transaction that we saw yesterday on the Bitcoin blockchain. So different people watch Bitcoin transactions all the time. And there's this one account on Twitter called whale underscore alert. Uh, and they always put, you know, the big transactions that happen. And if they know where it's going or uh, who it's coming from, you know, known wallets out there, then it will put it in the tweet as well. But this one was a gigantic transaction and it was going from unknown to unknown. So it caught everybody's attention. It was for 94,500 bitcoins, which at the time came out to $1 billion. $1 billion sent in one transaction for the Bitcoin fee. It is a high fee, uh, which I'll talk about here in a minute, but got settled in minutes uh, for relatively low fees and it can be sent anywhere in the world and nobody really knows who it's going to or where it's coming from. So people started digging in. This was an excuse for some of these smaller outfits, uh, analysis outfits to do some work. And they, uh, this one token analyst, the token analyst on Twitter, said that a lot of Hubi exchange addresses are involved. So they didn't come directly from the Hubi exchange, but they were related to in the recent past, you know, like uh, maybe two or three transactions in the past, these balances came from uh, the Hubi exchange. That alone is very interesting. Now, a lot of people started saying, oh, this is just Hubi doing some wallet balancing, maybe moving thing to cold storage or out of cold storage or to another security model or something like that, right? Which is possible. That is definitely a possibility, but they haven't said anything. A similar transaction, not nearly as big, but I think it was 
several thousand Bitcoins uh, from OKEX just last month, I believe. And the CEO came out on Twitter pretty quickly and said, hey, this is just normal wallet management. Uh, so Hubi has not said anything about that. Who knows if Hubi even knows anything about this? We don't know. Nobody knows exactly what's going on here. They did pay a large fee, which is interesting. I think it came out to be roughly $700 at the time, which is a super high fee. They could have got it for just probably a couple bucks. There were a lot of inputs, but they definitely overpaid. So that t tells me that they were wanting censorship resistance. If somebody owns a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin, they understand what they're doing. <laughs> they're going to have a large fee for a reason. Um, most likely, I think it's for this, the censorship resistance. Now, why would somebody be worried about this censorship resistance? Well, who else used Hubi as their main exchange recently? The plus token scam, the plus token Ponzi out of China. And they supposedly had $2 billion worth of Bitcoin. So could this be these plus token people moving their coins around? Probably. I, that's my guess. That's what I think it is. Um, is that good for the price or bad? Who knows? They probably won't sell them on exchanges. They'll pro they're probably moving them around, managing them so that they can sell them OTC somehow. Um, but these will be most likely hitting the market sometime in the next, say, six months or so. Um, these will not stay hidden forever or locked up forever. It's just very interesting that this Hubi, they used a big censorship-resistant fee for this and the connection there with Plus Token. Who has a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin to move that's connected to Hubi? This Plus Token people. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. Tell me what your guys' theories are. So reach out to me on Twitter, BTCMRKTS, and tell me what your theories are for this large transaction. Just a little fun conspiracy theory for you guys there to end out the week. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin and Markets. If you'd like to support the show, BitcoinandMarkets.com forward slash support. Show notes for this episode will be on the website forward slash e184 while you're there sign up for the free fundamentals report comes out every week on friday full of charts and market analysis thanks for listening guys have a great weekend see you next time peace <laughs>